This is the Reluctant Leader podcast, brought to you by the Reluctant Leader Academy. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and in each episode, I will invite an expert guest to discuss a topic or subject that will enhance your knowledge and hopefully inspire you on your leadership journey. If managing people is becoming your biggest headache, then check out the How to Lead Your Team with Confidence course and join the next group program starting soon. So let's see who's in the hot seat today. Today, I'm talking to Claire Forestier. Claire helps people present themselves, their businesses and ideas. Following a 20-year career working as a TV and radio journalist across the BBC and UK commercial stations, she now runs Speak Up event hosting and communications, working as an MC and media and presentation trainer. I hope you enjoy this chat we had about virtual events, and I will catch you all on the other side. Claire, welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's been a long time in the planning, uh, but I think it's come at the, just at the right time. Um, we are obviously having to adapt to the new world of everything online. So um, it's going to be uh, hopefully a worthwhile and interesting conversation about virtual present, presenting in all its uh, forms. But before we get into that, uh, the question I ask all my guests is, why do you do what you do? And what was the pivotal moment that took you down this path? Wow. The pivotal moment is always a hard one to pin down. I think I'm like lots of people and then I do what I do because I kind of fell into it. And we're all doing jobs now. A lot of us doing jobs now that didn't exist when we, you know, back in the old days of, of careers advisors and teachers and all those decisions. And I went into journalism when I was, um, when I left university, I did a, a they call them a, a postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism which essentially meant I was then ready to go and work in a radio station as a in the news section of a radio station and I kind of did that on and off for well breaks for children and so on for however many years 20 years and my husband was in the forces so he traveled a lot so I was always a freelancer so I was always a bit of um, a, a jobbing journalist and I worked in lots of different newsrooms and did lots of different styles of stuff um, and moved in and out of things just by chance, really. Uh, there was never a big plan. Um, I look back now and think maybe there should have been, but there wasn't. And I, alongside that, when you're trying to earn some extra money, I did other things like I learned how to teach people to handle the media, work, get their businesses promoted in the media and how to do a really good media interview. And then alongside that, it was kind of also helping people with the way they presented themselves when they were on those videos or when they were in those so that they looked and sounded good and they had a lot of confidence. And there was an awful lot of hand-holding. You'd think these really senior people would be, they wanted to get in the media. I sort of, my head initially was, oh, that'll be, that'll be fine. They know what they're doing. They're really important businessmen. And then it was interesting how people's insecurities and phobias and all the things that we have bundled up in our brain can stop us from, from performing well in a media interview. So I moved that. It just became a natural thing to help people with their presentation. So I ended up doing that too. I was quite good at, well, I'm quite good, I hope, at helping people to pinpoint what they want to say when they're in an interview for a job as well. And a lot of this is do as I say, not as I do, because I'm certainly not claiming to be someone who is successful in loads of job interviews. I, I was a freelancer for most of my career, so I avoided that. And then I went into um, a business job where I was helping to facilitate conversations, quite high-level conversations in business on all kinds of random subjects, generally around the field of digital transformation. A lot of that 
actually was online. The events that I started doing them were all virtual events. And so I was doing that four or five years ago and kind of really seeing the potential in, in virtual events back then. But when I left that company and went to start running my own business, there were I, I wasn't coming across virtual events in the same way, maybe more as a hybrid thing that a big event organization might run a big event, real life in-person event, and then have an online event going along at the same time to kind of sweep up people who couldn't come to the real live event, maybe to also persuade them to come next year and so on. But it was a bit of a, a kind of second class citizen. It wasn't the big all, the be all and end all. And yet I was seeing how the content on these things could be just as good. And I was quite excited by it, but kind of kept it going along in the background. And then with the event of lockdown and everybody jumping on Zoom and promoting themselves and talking about their businesses and doing meetings, I started to just kind of put my feelers out and find out about all the other stuff that was going on and get excited about virtual events. And I really am excited by it because so many people I've spoken to in the last few weeks have said to me, that they're getting so much online that they didn't expect to get, that they didn't know was there. And also really senior people who travel around the world to go to events all the time telling me, I am not going to go to every blooming event again. I'm going to have to be really wooed to go to the specific ones and the rest of them I'm doing online. I can connect online. I can network online without leaving the house and I can have a better quality of life without all the commuting and, and all the stress and all the time traveling. So for me, I've got quite excited and there's been work from it and I've met all these people in it. I've explored some of the great platforms. So I've got quite excited by virtual. And even when we go back to real life, which I'm looking forward to everybody as much as everybody else to hugging people and meeting people and shaking hands and doing the real face-to-face stuff. I can see that, virtual kind of is having its moment and it, it is it is here to stay and to make the most of hence why I do what I do now which is promote um helping people with virtual events and helping people sound great at virtual events sounds like you're a master at just adapting to situation because obviously there's a big situation that's going on just at the moment with the covid stuff and I've, I've followed your stuff on linkedin and you've talked about you know the what you've gone through from you know, had things in the diary for, for events, um, you know, in-person events that basically have just um, dry, dried up and completely been cancelled. So having to just realise that, you know, we need to adapt. And actually what you've just sort, sort of said there is actually you've realised actually the benefits of, you know, online uh, events, uh, uh, virtual events or whatever you want to call them. Um, there's, lo- there's lots um, to embrace and make the most of, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's. I wouldn't say I'm a master. <laughs> I, uh, I've had to adapt to lots of things in my life, like lots of people have. I've had mm. to become very versatile. My whole career has been about suddenly turning up in a new place with new faces and prove myself and learn a new system. Um, and you know, as a as an army wife, we were moving constantly, and you know, I was an army brat too, so different schools, different things. So I am. I think just practiced rather than a master. I'm practiced at having to adapt, but I had a massive wobbly at the beginning of lockdown. I mean, I literally just lay on the sofa eating twirls and drinking red wine and moaning um, (laughs) for about two or three weeks about, oh my God, all my hard work's just up in flames. You know, real rant at everybody who was prepared to listen. Um, And, you know, gained about seven pounds dropping around my house 
just thinking, what am I going to do? And it, it just, instead of, but I, I couldn't make a decision. I just kind of started getting involved in what I was interested in. And I was constantly still trying to put myself out there on LinkedIn, even if it was just with, you know, personal stuff. And then the virtual stuff, it was all just, I was seeing it around me. I was getting frustrated by people not being good in Zoom calls and, and getting frustrated by talking to people who could be putting their events online. And I got so enthusiastic about it. It just became a, a natural pivot. It wasn't a planned, considered yeah, I mean, I like. I think I wrote a post saying, you know, I sat down and tried to come to terms with it. I came up with all kinds of ideas and not the first three weeks when I lay around dropping, but after that. Um, and then it just, it just, you just let what happened, it kind of automatically, I hate that word, organically happened to me, but it did. If that makes sense. I'm sure, I'm sure you're not the only one, Claire, that um, did the same. You know, it's all that, well, all that planning and all the work I put in is basically gone out the window, but now I've got to you know eventually you come down to the fact that you've got to change and adapt um, and, that, and that's um that's the reality isn't it so i think it probably really best is. yeah I, I think it's probably best if we sort of start uh, thinking about the differences um, what do you see the biggest difference between an, an in-person event and uh, and a virtual event hmm, i suppose the difference is is that it it, you have to almost work harder at a virtual event. If you're presenting yourself, you've got to put a bit more effort in because you don't have all those little subtle social things going on that you would have in a, in a real life event. You know, when you come on stage to speak at, at, at a conference, you have an introduction, but you've seen faces, you've seen human beings, you've had conversations with the people as you arrive, you've shaken hands, you've had all that sort of stuff to go on. You've got electricity in the room you've got all these other kind of things which you know can work against you but it tends to with some certain lot of us it will feed us it will give us an energy too it will give us a sense of purpose and importance about what we're doing and a, and you know the, the sense of of gravity if that's what you need, whatever but it's all there they're just constant little things that all our senses are picking up and when you're suddenly doing something virtually you're on your own in your room in your own room with everything that's potentially going on in your house it's not the energy it's not related if that seems it's like it's a, it's you've got two things going on at once you've got all the stuff going on at the event um but you you can't see any of the physical and tangible and emotional stuff from that because it's just your computer screen but you've got everything else going on in your home or you're in an empty room or whatever and you've got to try and make those two things mix and that's mm. very very different i haven't had to get up put a suit on go on public transport to get to my event stand up in front of all those people and talk I've just come downstairs I might put a jacket on over my t-shirt and chuck some lipstick on and suddenly I have to bring my a-game and I think that's really hard I think that's been the weirdest thing for people to do and then sometimes it, it, if you are in a place that's not full of energy that pulls you down and it's, it's just hard to put it all together and make it look really great on screen yeah, and I've written down wow factor here, and that sometimes the thing you go to these um, the events for is that that feeling you've mentioned about the energy and all the the way you feel. That's so much about the things as human beings that we feed off is is the way we feel, and I think that's what we miss when we're in a separate room. We're just not getting that feeling, and and that feeling leads on to how we perceive the event. Absolutely. I always remember someone saying to me, I think it was at somebody's wedding and we were all in the church waiting for 
the bride to come. And the vicar stood up and said, I want to have a little talk to you all beforehand. And everyone's like, oh no, you know, what's he going to do? And it's like, oh, it's going to get super religious and that's not what I'm here for or whatever. And he just said, this is a really special day. You've dressed up, it's ceremony. We're all coming to see the bride and groom get married. And there's all this sense of importance and excitement and it's all in the air, it's all around you. And it kind of is at those events, whatever it is that you're going for, there's a sense of ceremony and purpose. And even if it's just a really dull as ditch water, it's not dull as ditch water if that's your industry, but you know what I mean? If it's a very industry-based thing, it's still you're hoping to get something new and exciting. And that's all in the air and you can feel it. Whereas the blank media of, of your computer and your empty room, it's, there's a, you almost, there's a psychological preparation that you have to do that is very different from the psychological preparation that you would have to do when you're going to a live event, when you're thinking about things like nerves and all the rest of it, of course, but it's just different. It's just different stuff to think about or, or even you have to amp it up even more because you're not going to get all the feedback from everybody else that you would have if you were present in a space with all these other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously what you normally do is MC the event, isn't it? That's what basically you make sure that things go seeming seamlessly between different speakers and stuff. So is that something well, that you're... Yeah, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. So is that something you've been able to carry on doing? Yes, I'm doing that at online events. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's, it's a different thing because everybody else around you is is in a real life place they're there that you can sort of talk to them and you've made a bond with them and you've made a bond with the audience and all those extra things that I can do normally to help myself and and to help the event I can't do now I haven't met these people and obviously at the big events you can't see them even you can't even like on a zoom platform just check out some faces so you uh, with that I bring in for me I worked in radio for for a large part of my career so I find that bit okay that I don't need to physically see everybody but I know that the people that are presenting with me don't like that concept. But what holds them together is the sense that there's a group of people in who are speaking. There's the producer behind the event. There's the you know all those people. Then they become that little community which helps the speaker at that kind of event. Because you, I always just say, well, if you if you can't if you can't imagine who you're talking to, think about just talking to us. Um, because that's what's the toughest thing that's missing. I'm holding it all together and keeping it going and chatting and bringing in and giving that sense of continuity, which is what an MC can really help with, and making sure that if there was a presentation where all the tech went wrong or if the presenter just, you know, wasn't very good or couldn't engage the audience, I can keep them going, keep them listening, signpost what's coming up next so we don't lose them. Because, of course, it's so much easier to lose your viewer, your audience now than it ever is in an in-person event because, you know, if someone starts talking at an in-person event, it's not always easy to get up and walk away in the middle of it. You need, you're being watched right there. People can see if you're, I don't know, picking your nose or checking your emails. (laughs) And we've got so much grabbing our attention when we're, you know, I could be talking to you now and I, I wouldn't be very good at it, but I could be trying to send an email as well. I could be doing all kinds of things. You wouldn't have a clue what what I was doing alongside it and how distracted I am. Like somebody just sent me a message now and I'm trying to ignore it. Um, but it, 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 all these kind of things make it harder for an event to be successful and engaging. And so the host, I'm hoping what I do is keep that energy up, keep people informed, keep them, if they feel like they're drifting off, keep feeling that they're engaged, that they're part of this community of the event. 
and hopefully pass that on if I'm allowed to or if they want to to learn from me to the speakers who are going to be talking at the event and a lot of the people I've been talking to potential clients that's been it it's like I'm a bit worried about how my speakers are going to do, whereas I wouldn't have worried about them in person. I'm now much more worried about how my speaker's going to do when they come on. And it's really important that if, because if they're rubbish, then everyone will just leave. Whereas at a normal event, if you had a conference of speakers coming up and one was a bit rubbish, you'd think, well, they'll go off and get a coffee. They'll come back for the other guy. Once they turn off that computer, will they come back? Will something else catch them up? Will they get sidetracked to something else? So I think more important to keep the energy up than ever before and the engagement up than ever before. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting what you just said there. And um, I was going to refer back to the the video on or off thing. Um, and there's, there's, I've noticed there's a little bit of video etiquette coming in. And in some um, instances, we're told that if we're going to eat, do we switch the video off so it doesn't become distracting and all those sort of things. But um, I, I remember... Um, um, had somebody on the podcast who specialized in virtual teams and one of her top tips was to make sure the video was on and that getting that engagement and, and I think that's really important isn't it because you know when you're at an event there's no you're either there or you're not but if you're in a virtual event you have a choice whether you put the video cool. on in most instances but you know and I've had um, guests on the podcast as well that said oh can we leave the video on because I think I feel it's easier to talk when I can see you and it's interesting isn't it how we perceive things as sometimes negative and sometimes positive and it can it's exactly the same thing if you come across that Oh, completely. And I mean, I don't like it when I see blank screens. I'd rather see people scoff in their lunch, quite frankly, because I want to see faces. But <laughs> I am used to doing it without that. I just think I'm on the radio and I just witter. But it, I know that we need that human contact so much more. You need to see the whites of people's eyes. You need to know that they give a monkeys about what you're saying. And, and that's another thing when I get all, I kind of bang on a lot on social media about how people are not putting themselves in the best place in the camera so that everybody else can see their engagement and things. So they haven't muted their screen, but they're not looking at the screen because they're, they're looking at a second screen or whatever. So it doesn't look like they're engaged. And if you feed off that engagement, which you would have got at the real life event, then you need to, if you're not, if you can't rely on your audience at the virtual event to give it to you, you'd have to find some way of replicating it. I mean, I've got, I've got my picture of George Clooney. So I just think George is listening to me and I look at that. Um, but everybody can have their different things because they need that energy. And I, I was saying recently, you know, the audience has to kind of give, if they want the energy and the engagement from the speaker, they have to be giving it back to them. Now, Easy on a Zoom call, not so easy on a big conferencing platform, but you can be sending chat and saying, great job, love this speech, this is interesting, asking some questions so that the speaker will be getting notifications from the production, the person producing it, hopefully not having to check the chat themselves as well, or even from the MC saying, everybody's loving it, you're doing great, we've got loads of questions. Because that will, they'll see that little message and they'll think, yay, you know. So, and, and it all helps. The content is great, but it all helps to keep that energy up and the engagement up and everybody really involved and included. You know, when you've been to a group event, when you felt everybody's really into it, you can feel it in the room. So you can, you need to, to be getting that feedback online as well. Yeah. So you mentioned the chat box, which is obviously something that we're encouraged to use mm -hmm. in various guises. Um, Sometimes people switch off the ability to, to um, um, send messages direct to one another, which I can see the point of that. But I, I get now what you're saying is that 
it's, it's where you can get some energy from, where you can find or get some feedback where, where people are engaging in certain things. And if you're saying certain things and you're getting some reaction, then that's something that's obviously you need to sort of come back to because it's obviously some, showing some, you know, people are picking up on that interest, you know, because I, I, I guess I'm putting myself in a position of someone who is trying to present to an audience. Um, mm -hmm. And what you need is that people are listening and that, that they are picking up on your key points. That's it. And I suppose when you're doing your emceeing, is that something that's key to, you know, to keeping things moving along? Is actually that what you've just described, that, that um, chat box thing? Yeah, I mean, some of these um, conferencing things have different ways to you connect, but I would always be trying to do that as well. Yeah, if I'm seeing that there's no responses, part of what I always say to people as an MC, if you're emceeing yourself at smaller events, is make sure you've got lots of questions for, for the speaker too, so that you can, if the crowd, if the audience isn't coming up with questions, you can come to them with questions. Otherwise, you feel, oh, no one's asking me questions they must not care what I have to say it's I'm always conscious that the speaker has to feel really confident and happy as well because that will make the speech go make the event go with with the wow factor if the speaker's really engaged and happy and involved he will sound better and do better and you know I mean I'm as bad as everybody else in the first few weeks we all signed up to loads of events and then you think oh god I've got loads of events today. I've got loads of emails to write oh it's okay I can write some emails during the boring speeches <laughs> and then I'm thinking Claire that's not fair because that person is not trying to do a boring speech and what well, if you were at an event and you know someone's talking and they're a bit crap and nervous everybody starts to will them the group mentality unless you're at you know stand-up comedy it's different but everyone's sort of willing this person to do a good job and smiling at them and thumbs upping and really happy for them and or just trying to look like they are so that the person does well and we don't all cringe into our seats i kind of need to do that online but even more because the person could be a really good speaker but they need to feel the energy back if they can't fake it for themselves. So, yeah. I mean, I'm always telling people to try and fake it. <laughs> Pretend everyone's fascinated. Imagine everyone's fascinated. Embody that feeling of an excited audience before you start. You know, my favorite, I, I envisage my best friend who thinks I'm hilarious. And, and every, you know, I, there's one particular person. And it really helps me when my energy is low because it's the toughest thing and it's why we're getting bored and getting the, what's it called? The Zoom phobia that we're starting to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And you get people bringing it up on other social media and say, you know, what's your biggest pet hate about um, Zoom or or um, virtual events or something? And, and the dreaded thing that comes up is these virtual backgrounds, um, which yeah. can be good, but actually can be really distracting, I think, as well. Yes. I mean, I think you can get them done a bit more pro pro um, professionally and they probably don't go all glitchy but I know on family mm. videos they do my head in because people keep coming in and disappearing but obviously their children are pressing on it because they're bored you know like nieces and nephews are pressing on it trying to put stupid backgrounds behind their dad or whatever that's okay because it's a conversational point but in a business meeting it's pretty tough yeah but I think I think what we're doing is we're going through this process we're testing things aren't we we yes, haven't it's, it's almost like the whole thing that we're going through with covid it's uh, you know we're trying things out we're not quite sure whether it's going to work and you've got to think well should I do that should I do that and over time then we we all get to a point where actually this is where I'm at this is where I'm happy I'm either happy with with a virtual background with or with not with then you, you just find your own place don't you and and stick to that I guess absolutely and I think as well, it, it, it's in it is what depending on what people's experiences are because you know 
a lot of people, a virtual event is literally just a Zoom call. That's all they're seeing. That's all they're involved in. They're not aware of what else is out there because it's not crossing their they don't need to know at this point. Um, and I'm obviously getting to see all the other stuff that's out there and all the other potential. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm mixing in those circles in terms of social media as well. And I'm following those people that are influencers in it and doing really exciting stuff. So I see a potential that maybe others don't yet see because it's not relevant in their current working environment. I think it's more as things develop and people start to work more from home long-term that the real potential of virtual is seen by a large group. At the moment, it's been seen by the events industry are trying to get their heads around it a lot more. And those are the people that I think can turn this into something really spectacular. Yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 just about seeing the potential and everything, isn't it? And you've already alluded to the fact that, you know, we're, we're far more used to this technology now. So we're, we're going to obviously keep an amount of it um, because there's big benefits um, with cost savings and time savings and all those sort of things. But I just I wondered how you see those those in-person events when we are allowed to have them. What do you th- how do you think they might have, have adapted? And how, how can you see that they might be a bit different? Oh, you mean when we go back to real life? Yeah, whatever I that is. Yeah. <laughs> whatever real life is. Um, I think people are going to have to really up their game. I think you are going to realize, I mean, if you imagine so many people have said to me, oh yeah, we're going to move our events to the, to the fourth quarter. That's what we're going to do. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. And I'm thinking there's an awful lot of events going to be happening between October, mm. November and December. And if you think it's tough to get those bums on seats, which is the Trust me, anyone running an event will tell you, you know, the bums on the seats, the delegate acquisition, the audience acquisition, whatever you want to call it, that's that's expensive and terribly important and hard. And people have so much else going on in their lives that they want to go to and work commitments and family commitments and holiday commitments to pin down the key people that you want at your very important event is tough. And these guys now are going to have a million more events to go to in those three months, assuming everything is back in, we're allowed to go to big events. And even if we move it into the first quarter, when everybody's suddenly free again, they are going to be picky about where they go. And I mentioned those guys before who said to me, I am not going to go to all the events I go to. I'm not going to travel the world like I used to do all year round. I'm going to be much more specific and go to the ones that I really want to do in person because I know I'm going to be able to get a really good standard online. It's going to kick real life events a bit up the bum and make Mm. them be concentrate more on the content and the delivery and everything else which of course the great events are doing but a lot of the other events are resting on their laurels and not so I think it will make all events better that that little extra kind of competition or that little extra element now to events will actually benefit us all when we're at the real ones too the live ones not the real ones the live ones yeah, I think you're dead right. And I, I, I mean, I've seen events which are normally like in person, which are like, you know, several thousands have been got less than a thousand pounds. And you think, wow, you know, that is not only if you, you, you uh, presumably the content's the same, I can't see why it wouldn't be. And then you, you think, well, add in, you don't have to travel, you don't have to have overnight accommodation and all the costs involved. I think one of the factors going forward is that, you know, it's going to be more difficult to justify going to a, uh, an, an in-person event as well so like you say more the reason to make it you know something really wow to get people there 
I think as well, I mean, people, you can't, we all know, you cannot replicate mm. the reality of sitting down, breaking bread with someone. If it's a really mm. big contact and big networker, someone you need someone, not networkers, someone that you really need to do business like your key, key clients. You cannot replicate the relationship you could create with that person if you met them and you were at a big event somewhere, you'd met up in the world and gone to this event and met them there and all the rest of it. You can't repeat, get that exact match online, you know, however great a networker you are, however interesting a, you know, conversationist you are online and however much you've cracked video, then... Than you would do in person, but yeah, you yeah. can get an awful lot from networking online now. And I'm not just talking about Zoom. In some of the platforms I've been on, there, there's it's almost like a speed dating. You're suddenly plopped in a room talking to this person for 10, 15 minutes in your own little room, and and it's fascinating. I just love it because I went on one recently. I met people from all over the world in the space of 10 minutes without leaving my seat, and I felt really engaged and excited by all these different people and all the different things they were doing around the world. And that I don't even think in a real life event you'd get that because it takes longer to form those. It was almost like speed dating because we had to start the conversations really quickly because we only had 15 minutes and I wasn't going to see them again afterwards. And I hadn't looked, I hadn't really had a chance to check them out beforehand like you might do when you're walking towards someone. They were just suddenly there and really good connections were formed. Um, so it can, it's really effective online as well. And then you think, yeah, I like them. I like the cut of their jib. But if we are, we go, oh, you are going to this event. And then you go and you feel like you've already met them beforehand. You know, when mm. you've, done that with someone that you've met online when you meet them in person it's lovely isn't it you know even at LinkedIn local events or whatever you think oh, I've been linking in with this person for a year I've never met them it's now going to be like that but you know amplified so there's lots of ways it's going to change the way we network and make connections as well yeah it's like joining things up isn't it I, I sort of see that I think it make, makes uh, great sense um, sadly uh, Claire our time is running out on us and, and I, as I warned you um, before we started um, I, I tend to ask the, um, my guests some, some top tips three it normally is um, it could be um, less but um, and more but ideally three so what, what would you say is the three top tips when we think about how we you know get engagement and uh, run virtual events I think the three top tips, I mean, I was thinking beforehand, oh, is that what my top tips going to be? Got loads, la, 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 la. But actually, it's fine. It's what I've talked about already, exactly as you said it would be to me. I think when you are doing anything online, whether you're going to be running an event or you're going to be taking part in it or you're just going to be an audience at it, you have to be thinking about bringing maximum energy to this, you know, as if you plugged yourself into the electricity supply and you're bringing that fizz because that's what everybody else is going to feed off. And that's so hard to replicate online. So you have to bring it, you have to bring more of it. You have to bring yourself, you know, after you've had a vitamin C drink, you know, you have to be that, that extra energy. Everyone brings it to the event, it will make such a difference. And I think to anyone who's going to be talking at these events, I think you do have to look at what you're doing as a little bit of a performance. You have to just give everything that little extra amp, that little extra boost that you say in the way that you talk, in the way that you express yourself, in the pitch that you use, because we are deadened by electricity, or not electricity, sorry, we're deadened by the tech a little bit. It just seems a bit blander it seems a bit quieter our voice is a bit more monotone the all those extra things and the senses that somebody would have when they're hearing you in real life they've only really got your eyes and your ears they haven't got everything else that's going around you know the spidey sense the tingles that you get you've got to 
make sure that you're really bringing the performance to any engagement that you have. And again, it is that extra bit of you're bringing your A game, you're bringing your best you to this little square on your computer, that little camera. That's what people will remember you from. If that's how they're meeting you as well, they need to have that. I always say to people, if you've been presenting, you should come down, like should turn it off now and go... I gave, you know, I gave Mark Terrell and um, I gave him my 20 minutes. I gave him the energy. I brought it. Um, I gave him my A game and I'm feeling a little bit exhausted. I need a coffee now. I think that's what I would say to everybody, you know, bring your best, your highest, most energetic, most performance effort of yourself to any online conversations, meetings that you're doing. Fabulous. Thank you, Claire, for Bring in your A game to the Relaxed Leader <laughs> podcast today. I've really enjoyed it. And I look forward to um, meeting you maybe in real life, maybe back in the, you know, that old fashioned meeting people in public, in a place of. Okay. Um, and apologies if I run up and hug you. I think I'm going to be hugging everybody <laughs> excitedly when we are allowed to meet them again. And then suddenly realizing, oh, that was just someone I knew from LinkedIn, <laughs> not my oldest friend. But I think we're all going to be a bit like that, aren't we, when we get I, back I, in the I real think world. we are, yes. Um, I look forward to it anyway <laughs> thanks mark bye bye thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the episode please take the time to leave a review on your chosen platform and share on social media don't forget to check out the reluctant leader academy where you'll find a free 15 questions every manager should be asking themselves checklist that you can download to keep you on track every day leadership is a choice when you understand the right mindset Know the process to follow and use key skills to keep things moving forward. You'll be on track to leave a lasting legacy. Until next time, be the best you can be and the inspiration for others to follow. Mm -hmm.